We're going to be in Romans chapter 1. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series. Uh, for us, it's remember, and the, the remember has a lot of significance to it. The RE you saw in the logo was uh, the number 23 for the year 23. And then um, also when we talk about remember, there's this kind of idea that we want to press into the fabric of our church this year, that we are all members of the body of Christ if we claim the name of Christ for our salvation. And we have, of course, united with a particular faith family. And for those of us that are here, that's most of us anyway, it's Osceola Baptist Church, that we are members of the body of Christ. And there's a push this year that I really want us to lean into that for many of us, maybe who have disengaged from the body of Christ, that we would remember ourselves, get re-engaged, reattached, um, and play our part in the, the body of Christ so that, Osilibat, that God, through Osceola Baptist Church, can accomplish everything that he wants to accomplish in the year 2023. And the result of that is this, that you get the joy. That's the beautiful part of it. And I love, let me say this, how many of you have been reading the devotions that have been going out? Anybody? Okay, great. Let me just tell you, I am so overwhelmed and blown away by the content that, that um, you guys have written. And so for those of you who haven't written any, by the way, uh, we could still use more. And if you've already written one, you can write another one if you like. And here's what I would really love to see happen. And if it doesn't happen, that's fine. But, you know, the devotions were intended to be for the first 36 days of the year. We've asked you as a church to tithe the first 36 days to God, to fast and pray, and that you would pray for our church, that you would pray for God's leadership in our church, that we would be able to see God do incredible things this year. And part of that is... You know, we, we're sending these devotions out. So the devotions are meant to cover the first 36 days. However, if you want to keep writing them, I would love to fill up a whole book of 365 days. And you know what? If we do that, man, we'll just put dates on it and we'll just research those things and circulate them out. May, we may even put them together and get them published so that that way it would be a gift to you guys as a church. But that's just totally up to you. We, we would love to write them as a staff, but it has been more of a blessing to me to see you guys write devotions and to see what God's doing in your heart. It's just been incredible, and I hope you find joy in it. And if you haven't been reading them, then you can find them in the app. They're, they're updated every day in the app, and I send an email out. So if you're in our system, we send an email out. If you're not in our system, all you have to do to get in our system is download the app, and then you can, when you fill out all the information on there, it comes straight into our system, or call the church. We'll, we'll get you added to the list, Okay. Um, but we would love for you to be a part of that. We would love for you to be involved in these devotions. They have been absolutely amazing, very challenging for me personally, but very rewarding when I see what God's doing through you guys. And uh, man, that's just such a huge blessing. All right, so we're in the book of Romans. We're in chapter one. I'm going to pray. We have a full morning and I need to uh, get through some things so that we can um, finish a couple of things this morning. Uh, one, you see communion is set up. And so we'll be partaking in communion as a church family. If you're a Christian, doesn't matter where you go to church or what denomination you are, as long as you're a Christian, you can partake with us. The other thing that we're going to be celebrating this morning, I'll get to in just a minute, very special day in the life of our church. If you weren't here last week, so we, we kind of kicked off the, the, uh, it's this series through Romans, and we started in chapter 1, verse 1, we went all the way to verse 7, and we talked about who the Apostle Paul was. If you missed last week, haven't, didn't get a chance to listen to the message, I encourage you to go back and listen to. You can go to our YouTube page. You can go onto our website. You can find it there. That'll kind of catch you up from week one. Today, uh, we are going to look at verses 8 through 15. And what I, do, uh, what I want to do is pray, and then we're going to jump in. God, you are so good. Father, we, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we're so thankful that even when we're not faithful, you're faithful. And you're faithful because your promises 
are true. You, you're a promise maker, but you're also a promise keeper. And so everything that you've written to us in your word is true about us and it's true for us. God, I pray that as we study this morning, that you would challenge us. God, you would encourage us. And Father, help us to remember how faithful you are and how faithful your promises are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so here's a question for you this morning. Uh, well, let me let's say this before I ask the question. When I was a kid, I, 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 had, I put tons of pressure on myself, and I don't know, maybe that's your story too. I, I was so concerned as a child, particularly um, elementary school, middle school, uh, probably high school too, I'm sure. But I remember that I had a hard time functioning in front of people. Um, I remember in school, they would have us write papers. You'd have to do this report, right? And you'd write that thing. And then you would stand up in front of the class and you had to read your report. And I'm not kidding you. Um, I, I was the kid that when, like, I just dreaded my name being called. And then when I got up there, I could hardly read what I had written because literally, I mean, the pages were shaking audibly throughout the classroom to which uh, some of my peers in the class, they would write kind of a critique of your you know, your little speech or whatever. And, and most of the critiques weren't even critiques about the content. They would just write and they'd go, what are you so scared of? It's like, I don't know. I'm just scared. And I think for me, there's, um, there was always this concern of, well, what are people going to think of me? And not, not so much that I think I want people to think so highly of me because I deserve to be thought of that way. I just didn't want people to think less of me. And, and so it was like, I always just kind of lived my life with the fear of what people thought and in particular, I just didn't want to mess up. Like, I didn't need to be seen or want to be seen as the person who stood on a stage. I just wanted to be the guy who didn't get seen because I tripped over something and fell in the middle of the lunchroom. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to be that guy. But for you, even as, in, and for all of us, even as adults, we have these, we, we live our lives in such a way that we, 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 we project imagery, right? We project images to people and we want people to think about us a certain way. And so my question for you this morning as we start is, when people think about you, what do you want them to think about you? What do you want people to think when you're, you know, if I, if I just caught somebody on the street and said, hey, do you know, and fill in the blank your name, what, what do you think about them? What would you want people to say? Because we live our lives in such a way that we want people to think things about us. As a dad, you know, I want my kids to think, hey, I got a great dad. As a husband, I want my wife to believe that she has a great husband. I would hope that she would think that. As, as, as pastor of this church, I would hope that you would think that you have a good pastor. And it matters to me, and not because it matters about me so much, is, you know, every, my role as a dad and as a husband and as a pastor is reflective for me on who Jesus is. So I'll always want to uphold and uplift the name of Jesus. I don't care if people think anything about me. What I do care what they think about me is if, if they could just summarize my life with, with one sentence that was basically this, he was a godly man who feared Jesus. That would be enough for me. And so when people think about you, what do you want them to think about you? In Romans chapter 1, we're going to look here at Paul's heart for the church um, in verse 8. And he's going to say some things in here that are pretty interesting. A couple of months ago, my wife and I got away on our 25th anniversary. We went to Rome. We went to Italy, and we spent probably about half of our time in Rome. And there's an area of Rome, um, a little suburb called Trestevere, and we went and ate dinner over there um, at a really nice pizza restaurant, and it was fantastic. And 
and um, found out that Tresa Devere is actually where the um, Jews would have stayed back in days in Rome's heyday, you know, back in the first century. This was kind of the area where the foreigners would have stayed. And there's an interesting, um, there's an interesting thing that Paul writes. So again, Paul is writing a letter to the church at Rome. He never got to visit the church at Rome. The only thing he visited really in Rome was the jail. But Paul's writing this letter on his second missionary journey, and he's informing them, and this is what we'll see today, that he's hoping to come to them. So if you would, let's dive in. Uh, Verse 8, it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I mean, that's beautiful right there. I mean, I don't know if the church could have, if the church at Rome could have written before they ever launched and gotten started, if they could have written, hey, here's what we would like for people to think about us when they think about us, this would be it. That your faith is heard about and is known throughout the entire world. Now, the church in Rome, and this is why Paul writes this, the church in Rome was known as the church that ran to the people that everybody else ran away from. Let me explain. There were plagues that would ravage cities and communities. Uh, There was, um, and not just plagues, but then just diseases like leprosy. And here's what would happen. When these people would get sick with leprosy or when plagues would roll through, the physicians and the professionals would run from the city to escape the plagues and they would not come in contact, particularly even the religious people of that day would... would, um, They would run away from people who had leprosy because they didn't want to catch it. But the Christian church in Rome was known for running to the people that everybody else was running away from. And you know, we live in such a wild and crazy world. Our lives are filled. I mean, you think about your schedule. Our lives are filled um, probably from Monday through Sunday. You've probably got every hour accounted for. You know where you're going to be and when you're going to be there. And if you really think about some of the things that you're like, man, I hope I don't miss my flight here, or I hope I don't, I hope it it doesn't rain here, or I hope something doesn't happen. Our schedules can be thrown off so easily, and we get worried about how much time we have, and we fill them up so much that we really don't even have time for people. In the Christian church, and the Christians in Rome, and Paul's writing to them, he says, your faith is known throughout the entire world, and it's because the people in Rome ran to the people that everybody else ran from. And you know what? Sometimes we meet people in life, and when we get involved in each other's lives, it gets a little messy. But we have to be willing, just as the church at Rome did, we have to be willing to get down in other people's mess and love them right where they are, because it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Jesus stepped down into our mess. He left heaven, came to earth, Because you and I, he felt like we were worth it. And he says, listen, I'm coming to rescue you from your mess, but I'm not going to just rescue you from your mess. I'm going to give you the written word so that you don't have to live there any longer. Jesus ran to the people that everybody else ran from, and so did the church at Rome, emulating and modeling what they did. Another thing that the the church in Rome was known for. See, in, in Rome's day, it was a very common and normal thing almost that if, you had a, that if a woman had a baby that she didn't want, if they didn't kill the baby, then the other very common thing was for the, for the mother to just go leave the baby on a pile of trash or on a pile of dung. And that's what they did. They just abandoned babies. If you didn't want it, just get rid of it. Sounds a lot like our world today, doesn't it? 
And so the people, and here's what the church did. The church in Rome was known for going to the trash heaps and going to the dung piles, grabbing babies off and then raising them as their own. See, the church in Rome was known for running to the very people that everybody else ran from. So Paul says that because of these things, their faith is being proclaimed in all the world. Can I just tell you something as a pastor? Man, I love it. I love pastoring this church and this community because I go out and I'm on the high school campus, middle school campus, elementary school campus. I'm just a roundabout in town. And I love it when people come to me and go, hey, doesn't so-and-so go to your church? I mean, like I'll have people come and talk to me about teachers in the school system and they'll go, man, that, that teacher over there, man, she or he, they're, they're top notch. And they're phenomenal people. And I just love how encouraging they are. And I love what they do and how they've helped my kid learn and how they've stepped in and been just kind of a, a person that I can have conversations with about how to help my kid in their academics. And I love it when people come to me and they go, hey, don't they go to Osceola Baptist Church? And I'm like, yes, they do. It, it, it just warms my heart. I'm so thrilled when I hear that. It warms my heart when people come up to me and go, hey, you know, I, one of these students on your campus or at the campus, uh, here's what they did and here's what they're about and here's what I see them doing and here's the leadership that I see them demonstrating. Don't they go to your church? And I'm like, yes, they do. I, I love when, uh, I, I can't begin to tell you how many times that people have caught me in Walmart or just somewhere in Fitzgerald and they go, hey, we are hearing such great things about your church. And do you know why that is? It's not because they've probably jumped online and watched any of the videos. They hear great things about our church because of you people. They hear what God's doing in your life. They hear you talking about your faith. And it's such that, just like Paul wrote to the church in Roman, and in, in right here in verse 8, that your faith is being proclaimed, and we know it's being proclaimed in our area, but guess what? Did you know that there are people? There, there are people in a little town called Peom in Haiti, that they know the town of Osceola and they know about Osceola Baptist Church. Do you know why? Because your faith led you to give to things to some of you even travel over there to love on them, to proclaim the gospel to them, and not just to proclaim the gospel to them, but to meet physical needs. And because of that, they know who Osceola Baptist Church is. Your faith is being proclaimed in all the world. And I'm just got to tell you, it makes me feel so good that your faith is being proclaimed in all the world. It means that your faith is making a difference, not just in your life, but in the lives of others. Look in verse 9. Paul says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always, verse 10, in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So here's his heart. Paul saying, I'm, I want to come to you. But he says, I want you to know that without ceasing, I mention you in my prayers. Church, I just want you to know this. I want you to know that I pray for you often. I do. And, I, and, and I'm not saying that so that you'll go, oh, well, we got an awesome pastor because he prays for us. No, I, want, I just want you to know that you are prayed for on a weekly basis, if not almost daily basis. You are prayed for often by me. You're prayed for by our staff. When you're down and out, when you're having a rough day, I want you to know that you are being prayed for. And I want you to know that we're not just praying that you would have life and have life really easy. What we're praying specifically for you and what I pray for you 
is that God would become more real to you every day than he's ever been. That your faith in Jesus would matter to you more tomorrow than it does today and that it matters today more than it did yesterday. That's what we're praying for you. Because the more real and more practical your faith becomes, the more joy that you'll be filled with and the more your faith will make a difference in all the world. Verse 11. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. So Paul longs to be with them so that he can invest his spiritual gift into the church at Rome. Again, he hasn't been there yet, but he longs to be there so that his spiritual gift that he has can be invested into the church in Rome. What does that mean for me and you? What that means is this. My spiritual gifts, so I'm just going to talk about me. My spiritual gifts are teaching and shepherding and leadership. Those are my spiritual gifts. Now, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, I'd be glad to help you learn what those are. There's some surveys that you can take. You can answer some questions. It will probably give you a good indicator of what your spiritual gifts are, but mine are teaching, leadership, and shepherding. Okay. Now, a pastor, so let me kind of help you understand how this works. A pastor is not given to a church. A church is given to a pastor, not for me to lead. I'm not a dictator. I have a role to play, just like every one of you have a role to play. My spiritual gift, I show up and I invest my spiritual gift into you all as the church. That's my, I use my giftings to teach here on Sundays, to teach on Wednesdays. By the way, on Wednesday nights for the adults, we're going to be doing a study four weeks on fasting and praying. So I invite you to come eat dinner at 530. Uh, we'll do the Bible study at 630. But my job or my my job, my role in this church is to utilize my spiritual gifts to invest in the body of Christ, that your faith may be built up and that our faith may be built up together. God led me to you in order that my spiritual gift might become a benefit to you all. And by the way, he leads you here to this church or led you here to this church that your spiritual gift might be a blessing to me and everyone else who is a member and a part of this church. That's what we are saved for. We are saved and gifted with a spiritual gift for the building up of the body of Christ. Here in a few minutes, we're going to um, ordain a new deacon in our church which is kind of the surprise that we're holding out to the end. Deacons are given the calling of serving their church. They are selected and elected by the people of the church, recognized for their faith that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. And then they are, they are um, called out for the benefit of serving the church and using their giftings to be a blessing and a benefit to you all and to me. And the same is true for all of us. You have a spiritual gift. If you Proclaim the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have the Holy Spirit in you. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is given to you. And as part of that, you receive a spiritual gift. And your spiritual gift is not supposed to be kept in a closet. It's supposed to be used for the benefit of others. So if you're here today and you're not serving anywhere, our passion, my passion, is for you to serve because you will find the greatest joy in your life when you serve. One of the greatest things that I've just experienced just this week through the devotions is people who have wrote devotions sending me messages and going, I didn't think I could do this. I was scared to do it. I didn't think I'd do a good job. But it really, really was a great opportunity for me to grow. Thank you for asking. If you haven't written a devotion and you want to do it, please do it. It'll be one of the one of the best growth exercises that you've ever done, just to get what's in you 
that God's put in you, out of you, and on paper. Just writing that thing is a beautiful, beautiful journey. Verse 12. So Paul goes on to say this. He says, um, so after he talks about that um, he may impart to them some spiritual gift to strengthen them, he says, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. When you use your gift, it encourages me. And that's what Paul's saying to him. He says, I want to come and I want to impart my gift, but I also want to be a recipient of your spiritual gift. He says that we may strengthen one another. Church, I just want to encourage you, get somewhere and serve. Use your spiritual gift. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Verse 13. Paul says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus have, thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Paul is saying that because of what Jesus has done for him, because Jesus didn't leave us in our sin, because Jesus didn't leave us in just the futility of our thinking, that Jesus didn't leave us in the purposelessness of our own lives, but he died that we might find our purpose because we were created on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose, and that in finding that purpose, you find out what you're created for is when the beautiful joy comes. And so Paul says, for this reason, I am under obligation to preach the gospel and notice that he says to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. Do you know what he's ultimately communicating? He says, we have an obligation. You and I, we all have an obligation to proclaim the gospel to everyone who is far from God. We have an obligation in our community and beyond to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel that Jesus Christ is the one who changes lives. Jesus is the one who said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And it's our role to proclaim the gospel to everybody who is far from Jesus in our community and beyond. 